When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. In my 27 years as a Victorian policewoman, I investigated everything from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. Policing taught me a lot about human nature, which I explore in my podcasts with a variety of fascinating guests discussing the human side and impact of crime, not only on their lives, but mine as well. My podcasts are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. If you find yourself affected by my subject matter, please contact Lifeline or any other support, service or person that you feel comfortable with. My guests provide their recollection of an event or incident, sharing their thoughts and their emotions, but it's theirs and not everyone will agree with them. I understand that and I hope you do too. Thank you. I just don't know what the judges are thinking when they're going to court and going, oh, you know, you broke that lady's jaw and her ankle got broken, or uh, we'll give you six months, but you can you can you can run it concurrent. I was like, what's that? What's that about? So there's no, and so that person's not going to come back to work, and there's no consequences. Peter was a prison officer for 12 years, and in that 12 years, he saw a lot. He spent time at all our major prisons here in Victoria and learned much about life on the inside. He has some salient points about the prison system as a whole, which wouldn't just be relevant, I suppose, to here in Victorian prisons because they're pretty much the same everywhere, well, at least here in Australia. So one of the questions I want to ask Pete is why aren't there more educational programs in prison? Look, I could be wrong but I'm of the belief that prisoners tend to be offered educational programs or more of them after they've finished their stint. So they struggle to find meaningful employment and somewhere to live due to the lack, their lack of money. Uh, so why aren't we doing more for them during their sentences when they've got so much time on their hands? I know many will think, who cares about offenders in prison? But if we don't care and do nothing, many will just reoffend upon their release, returning to the life that they know. And any one of us could be another victim to one of those crimes or one of their crimes. Peter says that we on the outside would be horrified at some of the conditions our most dangerous criminals endure, having taken a life or ruined a life. Eight hours out in the fresh air, boxing classes, fitness programs, going to the gym and doing what they love keeping themselves fit. Uh, 
Now, I'm not saying it's a breeze, but from Peter's description, they aren't exactly doing it hard either. Many of these criminals have tortured and murdered innocent people who happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And according to Pete, they don't seem to have much remorse. That's really difficult to swallow, isn't it? Um, And these aren't the prisoners that I'm talking about that we want to care about. I just want to make that clear. They're a whole new ballgame. Peter shares his concerns about the training regime regime for a prison officer with the emphasis being in all the wrong places. Conflict resolution can't be learned on a PowerPoint, surely not. (laughs) Yep, that's what Pete says. Uh, Putting a 21-year-old in a prison officer's uniform, it spells disaster to me and to Peter, maybe not disaster but certainly trouble. So thank you for your time today, Peter. Uh, You've witnessed another world out there to most of us and I'm interested today in how you managed it all. But um, I thought we might start with some really recent news which has just come out of nowhere. Um, That news being that the Malmesbury Youth Detention Centre is closing at the end of the year. I'm aware of a number of prison officers who can't work there due to the violence that they've suffered and the effect on their mental health. I'm wondering what your initial thoughts are because mine are that it's just unworkable out there and they can't get staff to stay. But also my concern is about the young youths who are there and the unrest that all this will cause them. Uh, What are your thoughts about Malmesbury? Well, first of all, good morning, Rowan. Thank you very much for having me. And it's a very, very good topic to talk about first up, Malmesbury. Yeah, it it really is. Like... um, it's really hard because we're talking about youth and kids and, um, they've had, you know, like bad upbringings when they were young and, um, you know, they're just all of a sudden into this life of offending. And then, uh, you know, we have to lock them up and, you know, they have to go to the court system and, um, you know, they're judged and they're put away. But, um, it's really hard. So yeah, Marjorie's been operating for a long time, but I've got some friends that, uh, worked at Marjorie. One of them actually had his throat slashed there by, a young, young offender and he's, he's never the same at all. Like he'll never go, he just completely left the service. Um, could have been quite, quite bad. So <clears throat> the tricky bit is, I don't know what the answer is exactly with these kids in the, in the, um, the lockup system. You know, I get it. There's some kids that have committed some horrific crimes and murder and I get it. They, they need to be there. Um, you know, to be taken off the street and, and all that type of stuff. But then there's some kids that have just re-offended doing housebergs or driving offences and we're throwing them in there as well and then they've got to share cells with the worst. So I don't know what the actual answer is, but I do know it's a pretty violent place to work and it's lost a lot of staff um, and I don't know how they're going to get staff to go there Um I, I really don't. I really don't. I don't know what the answer is. Pete, why is it so dangerous? I don't understand. Is it because there's not enough staff? Is it because the kids have got, um, oh, I feel terrible saying this, but a, a bit too much freedom in there? Like why Why is there so well, much trouble at Malmesbury? I, I think um, I think there's, um, there's no consequences at all. So... If you, if you think about, it, you bring up your kids when you, you know, when you, I've got a couple of kids and you bring them up and if they do the wrong thing, 
you know, you sit them down, talk to them, you, you, um, you know, put them on the right track and you hope they learn from it. Now, that's, that's, now compare that to kids that are in the justice system. Um, there's no consequences. There's no mentors. There's no leadership where you can sit these kids down. I'm quite sure there is. I'm quite sure there's staff that try, but there's no consequences for anyone's actions. So a kid who's 17 years old, a big guy, could bash a couple of staff members or stab them or slash their throat or whatever. There's no real consequences um, because they're young. You know, they're young kids and, and I just think they get away with it. Um, and I, I think staff are scared as well. Like, imagine going to work. Uh, on, look, violent prison is not that far behind them, to tell you the truth. That's a violent place to work as well. But these kids are just relentless. And I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. I don't know whether it's, it's worth putting a security team back in there where there's presence of, um, you know, security. I think they've got security there, but Corrections Victoria used to provide um, security teams the SESG used to go there and sit there as backup for support. Uh, if those things went down, they were there. All of a sudden, they're not. You know, someone with the powers of be made a decision there. We'll take them out. You know, we don't want kids to be obviously around um, the security team from corrections. We don't need them for whatever reason. And then all of a sudden, there's, there's more assaults. So I don't know. I, that's, yeah. What 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 does you said then SSG? What's that SESG mean? Security. It's a, our um, so Corrections Victoria has a, a business unit called SESG Security, and it's basically the dog squad. Uh, okay, you know, it's, yeah. it's part of a business unit with Corrections. So they used to go and sit down there um, as as backup support. Uh, so if there was something that was to go down, if there was an assault or a riot, they were there. The team was there. They'd run in. They had the resources, the tools to control a situation, but they were removed from there. So I, I can't help think, but if you're a 15, 16 or 19-year-old in these locations and see that that business unit's been pushed out because, you know, we don't need them, that gives them a green tick to go ahead even more. Oh, they're not here, so let's just bash stuff even more. Like, I think that's mm. what's happened. Mm. They, what with the SESG or whatever it's SESG. called, SESG, uh, yep. yeah, SESG. Um, what does that comprise of? Is that say um, a leader and a couple of um, uh, other people and a dog, or and yeah, what do they yeah, do? So or have, what did they yeah, do? So, well, you'll have a small team, so you'll have a leader and three other people, and then you've got a dog as well, and they'd have the tools and resources on them, so they'd you know, carry gas and um, all that type of stuff. So, yeah, there'd be a team that would sit down there. There could be two teams that would sit down there, and they could sit there all day for 12 hours and, and not do anything, but they're there for backup and support if the local mm. staff are in trouble. Mm. And it used to work. I believe it used to work because there are presents and the kids knew that they were there, um, but they're not there anymore, so I don't know. I don't imagine there'd be anything more frightening than knowing that a dog could take a piece out of you if you mucked up or you, if you were becoming violent. Yeah. Um, but as you say, they're not there now. So as, as you said a couple of times there, they don't, there's no consequences if they do muck up. No. They, 
well, I suppose their their sentence could be extended. That would be a fairly obvious one, is it? Yeah, well, it could. Yeah, they go back to court, and there's a you know you, you get charged for assaulting an officer, which um, I was going to talk about this later as well with um, the Barwon staff and all prison staff, but I'll just touch base with this one now. So if a, an offender bashes an officer, they'll go to court and they might get six months or they'll get concurrent or nothing really happens, you know, or they might even get let off. So there's no real consequences, but, you know, the flip side to all this is too, they're, they're kids. And I don't, I don't know what's in place for these kids to get out of the system and try and improve their life. And that's what you want to see, ideally, is to, for them to be released and uh, move back with their families or wherever they come from and try and live a, a normal life. That's, that's what I would love to see. Um, but unfortunately, you've got some youth who have had horrific lives and, and now they're passing that horrific life on to others. Yeah, and I think I say a number of times that kids aren't born bad and no. I, I feel they obviously are retaliating for inside and when they're um, violent, I think they're just retaliating from just frustration, uh, they're unloved, they feel unwanted, well, they feel unloved and, you know, probably some of them are, a lot of them are, they feel unwanted, yeah. they feel like they're not a part of anything and um, they retaliate by what they have learned, which is um, yeah. which is violence, which is just so sad. And usually we yeah. at Barwon, we used to get, usually we get the, the, guy, the youth that are 18, 19 years old, that have done look bashed an officer or whatever, they usually end up coming to Barwon and then they're open up to the next level of their life. Um, but, you know, it's hard. It's a very hard, very hard thing. Yeah. So what was it about um, a prison officer that initially interested you? Uh, it's funny. It was back in 2002 and I had some friends working in the system and it just, just looked so professional, you know. Um, I just wanted to assist in changing lives and, you know, to work in a professional environment. And everyone sort of says that now, you know. You ask anyone coming through, what is it that you want to be a prison officer? And I want to change lives. And it's okay. We all want that. <laughs> but um, yeah. it's there's roadblocks along the way to achieving that in the correction system. It's the hardest thing. But, yeah, back then I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to be proud, wear the uniform um, and, yeah, just work in a professional environment. That's what attracted me and just long-term career, you know, path. Mm. I must admit there's something I'd never uh, been any had anything to do with any uniforms or anything when I joined, but... Uh, when I joined policing, but I must admit, oh, there was something I used to feel, this might sound a bit wanky, but I used to feel so proud when I put on the uniform and particularly going to court when you have what's called a tunic and you'd put that on and your boots would be all nice and clean and, uh, yeah. I don't know, there was just something about a uniform, like you say, you just feel Good and it's nothing about power. It was more yep. about feeling proud of the fact that uh, 
it, it's just such a, a great job and, uh, as you say, it's a really professional, generally I'd have to say a very professional organisation, no matter whether it's police or prison, but yeah. putting on that uniform, there's something about it, isn't there? Oh, it's great. You feel proud, you know. Was, um, you just respected the culture and the history, the history of the, um, you know, the police force, the correctional service, goes back hundreds of years. So it was just that respect thing, you know, but... These days, this well, this might lead into some things we're going to talk about soon. But it's who you put in that uniform, you know. And some people hop in that uniform, and you know, and, and um, you know, take the it to the next goes level. To their head. So, yeah, power goes yeah. to the head. But it's it's okay to wear the uniform, wear it, respect it. But you know, you just you've got to be careful they put in these uniforms. That's my thing. Mm. Hey, just going back a bit. Um, you just said before that when you joined, you wanted to make a difference, that, and, and I, I completely get that because I think that's why a lot of people join policing. Did you feel like you did make a difference to some prisoners or some people yeah. that you I dealt do, with? Yeah. yeah, I do. I got along with all prisoners. There were some that you couldn't get along with and there were some that I chose not to get along with, but, yeah, I did, I did feel like I made a difference. There's a couple of guys that... I'm caught up with on the outside that their lives are just completely normal now. And really? Yeah. yeah, there is. And you've only got, I had a chat with Russell Mansell recently on a podcast and you look at the way he's turned his life around. I respect oh. that so much. You know, he had a bad upbringing in the youth, um, youth centers and, you know, he ended up mm-hmm. doing what he'd done. But look at him now. He's out there trying to change lives. And so that's how I went into it. And my thing was, I wanted to walk alongside the prisoner, not in front of him or not behind him. I wanted to go with him. And that's how I sort of managed my time in prison. So if you're going through it, I'm going to come with you. And that's how I used to sort of condone myself, you know. Yeah, and I think that's a really uh, lovely quality to have. It, it means that um, I know exactly what you mean. The power, it's not about I'm the boss here, although I'm sure that – you know, they call your boss or whatever, but it's yeah. about um, it helping others. them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and being with them and, as you say, walking beside them. Gee, oh. yeah. Um, so that was the draw card back then that um, when you initially joined. What do you think the draw card now is in being a prison officer these days? Why do people want to join now? Um. I, I think it's mainly job security and you will get people that will say, oh, I want to change lives and I get that and I hopefully they do. But I think it's, it's moved a lot. So back then it was you were joining the, the correctional system, um, you know, to make it make a difference, um, you know, and it was a career. So you joined it as a career. Now it's just a job. So it's a big difference. You know, yeah, there is. Um, there is. Ma- massive difference. If you, you join the system to be in a career, so you want to do it for 20, 30 years and you want to have some good times out of that and change life, but now it's just a job. So job security. Um, so therefore, if you think about that, if it's just um, a job and anyone can apply, and, right, it actually it shortens the, the, um, the talent pool's got smaller. So, so they're attracting everyone, different age groups and everyone, but it's now just a job. 
So it's just like, um, I don't know. I used to work in a supermarket, for example, and I want some security because I want to get a house loan, so I'll join the prison officer. So it's just a job, whereas before it was a career. I think that's, yeah. I think that's the only draw. I can only say that's the only draw card. There's a lot of career opportunities in there, obviously, but um, the, the problem is that's you're working in such a negative environment day to day that it's hard to attract people. And then there's, and you hear things on the news all the time. As soon as there's an assault or a stabbing at Barwon, it's on the news. Um, and Barwon always seems to be the only prison that's always on the news, not any other prisons, but probably because the high profile type of place it is. But also, I don't know, there's the negativity, there's decisions that get made by, um, corrections management, you know, that, that lets a lot of officers down. So not feeling supported. So, uh, for, for, for an example, if, uh, if, I, if I was to get bashed tomorrow and I was to get bashed pretty bad, right, I would obviously go out on work cover and I'll try and get back to work. But the prisoner that bashed me, they can't move him out of bar when he's there. Yeah. Because the, yeah. there's, there's, there's so many different gangs and groups that can't mix and there's not enough prisons and units to separate them. So the prisoner stays there. So I've been bashed by a prison we've got to go back to work with. So people feel not supported that way, you know, but um, – And then there's the men- – yeah. yeah. And there's the mental health and anxiety that, that sort of is with it as well. Um, man, I don't know another job apart from the police and paramedics that um, that that – has so much mental health and anxiety of staff. I'll give you an example. Seven years ago, a legislation was passed that prison officers were aligned with emergency services. So if prison officers were assaulted, the consequences and the outcome for them people who assaulted them was the same as a police or paramedics. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference there. That doesn't happen. That still doesn't happen. So if it I've got a friend, a female friend that was bashed pretty bad at Bowen, uh, and they don't discriminate. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. In all some prisoners, they come out and I'll bash male or females. Um, that prisoner got six months concurrent, not extra time. Six months. If they were to do that to a paramedic or prison of, um, police officer, police officer. they'll probably get five yeah. years, yeah. which is seen yeah. in the past. But correction officers, they're, st- they're still not aligned with emergency services in that respect. And until that happens, that sort of creates a lot of negativity as well. It's just like, what are we? We're working with these people all day, every day. Yeah. Um, you know, like... Every single day for years, you're, you're in front of these people suffering and these people get sentences run concurrent. I, I just don't know what the judges are thinking when they're going to court and going, oh, you know, you broke that lady's jaw and her ankle got broken or uh, we'll give you six months, but you can, you can, you can run it concurrent. I was like, what's that? What's that about? So there's no, and so that person's not going to come back to work, and there's no consequences. You know, you're right about the emergency services and prison officers. It must really eat away at you that it's almost like, uh, let's say, police and ambos and fireys. Let's say they are all. Uh, it, it happens, um, oh, not certainly not a lot, but it would happen a lot more in prison where you're assaulted. And you're right, you don't feel supported. And in any workplace where you don't feel supported, you start to lose, I don't know, let's say respect for the organisation. Um, and so you, you become, I suppose, a bit negative as well. But you're right, it is such a negative environment in there. Like yeah. people don't go to prison because they've been good. No, that's right. Yeah. So when you look yeah. at it as a draw card and what we just talked about then, I don't know what is a draw card. <laughs> it's really yeah. hard to come up with a positive draw card to recruit staff that's going to do an amazing job. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. yeah. 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 Hey, can you share with us, uh, You, I mean, there must be some terrible days, but can you share with us maybe your best day and worst day as a yeah. prison officer? Yep. All right. So I was working at a prison um, and I had this guy, this prisoner, who was in there for murder and, um, and I got along with him really well, really well. He was a decent fellow. He was just, he was just, 
something part of his life that led him down this track and um, obviously just committed murder. Um, but I got along with, with him really well. And what had happened was we had lots of conversations with him. Like I was his case manager, so lots and lots of conversations about his life, his upbringing. When he was six years old, he was a maid ward of the state. Um, you know, and when he was in jail, he found out he was the product of rape. So there's, there was so much that this guy had against him as a kid. So when he was a kid, his mother kicked him out of the house when he was six, and he used to go and live in the park down the street, and his brothers would go and look after him. So since then, he was made a ward of the state, and he's just gone through the system. So uh, just one of them horrific stories, and um, I don't know, I just had – I sat down with him one day and talked about his mother and he got all really shaky and a bit nervous and, you know, he wasn't really happy with his mother. And, and I said to him, would you ever want to get in contact with her? And he goes, yeah, I think I would. I said, oh, do you want me to get in contact with her for you? And so, this is a big thing to do because I didn't go down the path of contacting my bosses or, you know, management of the jail at the time to say, I want to make a phone call. I just went with my gut feeling that if I made contact with this bloke's mum, good things can happen from it. It could come back and bite me on the bum because I went against our policy of making a phone call for someone, but I just went, I'm going to go with it. So anyway, so I rang the mother and I had a bit of a talk to her and I said, if I was to put this person on the phone, would you talk to him? Um, so I got her approval first and um, she goes, yeah, I would. I said, all right, no worries. So we hung up, had a bit of a chat. We sit in this office and this prisoner was shaking. Like he was so nervous to ring this, this mother. Like, so anyway, we got through. She answered the phone. He grabbed the phone, hung up, and he was shaking like a feather. I said, you know what, mate? Take a breath. I said, let's do it again, and you just start talking. So anyway, cut a long story short, made contact with his mum, had about a 10-minute conversation with her. Um, so from that day... He then become he then made regular contact with his mum, and then from that he found out he had a son in New South Wales, fourteen year old son. So then, all of a sudden, this bloke's like he's got hope. He's got he's in got contact family. with his mum. Mm. He's found out he's mm. got a son. He used to send money out to his son to get a motorbike and you know bits and pieces. So, and then he's out, and he, he's still out now. And I, I've seen him when he was out. I went and saw him, and I thought, I'm not saying this was all me, but what I'm saying is I took an interest, I had a gut feeling, and I went with it. I went against the prison policy, but I did it, and it has changed his, I think it's changed his life. I just gave him some hope. It was risky. Yeah. <laughs> it was very risky, yeah. but <laughs> it worked. So for me, that was a good, it was a good day. Oh, and what, the worst, what a beautiful <laughs> story. Hey, yeah, just before was, you go on to your worst day, if we can just stick with yeah. that best day for a minute, because that's just a beautiful, as I said, a beautiful story. Um, what would uh, corrections have done if you went to them and said, "I'd like to make contact with this um, prisoner's mother"? Um, oh, this just would have been too political. It just would have been like I would have had to try and convince them. Maybe, yeah, okay. maybe, maybe if I sat down and drew up a bit of a case plan on into why. Um, <laughs> did a report. You know, and, and did, a, did a case management report about 
the benefits yeah. of why, but then all, all you know, all, and then also back then it would have been what if this goes pear shape and it's going to look bad on yeah. the department. So I was going to yeah. get approval, but I thought as soon as I go down that path, <clears throat> I thought it's, it's I can't do it then, but I need to do this for this person, yeah. and I just risked it and done it. At the end of the day. Oh. Yeah. Um, I believe it was good case management. He had some good stories, good hope. He got out, and from my knowledge today, he's not back in. Yeah. Um, no, that's, so, a, that's a lovely, that's a lovely no, story. Say, like, um, worst day? I reckon the worst day, I've got a lot of worst days at Barham, but I reckon one of the worst was when I was in the response group, emergency response group. And that's where, if a code was to go, we respond. And we're, you know, we're wearing the vest with the gas, handcuffs, bat and all that. And um, there, was a, there was a fight, and I'll never, I'll never forget it. There was a code called in the unit, code blue, you know, officer in trouble, basically. So, but it was called with urgency, a lot of urgency in, in the person's voice. And so we started running, and halfway there, it was called for secondary backup, which means it's not good what we're getting into. It really wasn't. And then, so that means basically every staff member in the place responds. <clears throat> when, I, when we ran into the unit, there was a prisoner that had just, I, there was two prison officers laying on the ground that had been bashed. And then there was a third one that was um, leaning over, holding his stomach and head. So this, this specific prisoner had bashed three officers. So when, we, when I first went in there, you sort of know what was going on. I sort of ran up to one of the officers and I said, are you all right? Because I thought he was puffed from running there. And he goes, no, I've just been bashed. So I turned around and said, these other guys, I'm like, this is no good. So we all sort of, all sort of go about what we do, um, try and lock away the unit as quick as we can. The guy was on the ground in handcuffs already, so it was quick response. The problem was we had prisoners from other units They'd come down to look and they were looking through the glass and banging on the glass. So as a staff member in there for a short period of time, it just felt like we were in a war zone in there. There was prisoners yelling out, chanting, there was injured officers. Um, you know, it just we just didn't know what was going to happen. And my heart went out for these three people. And then um, I ended up watching the footage actually because I was part of a um, OHS committee. So Work safe has come in and you have to watch the footage over and over again. Which, and it, it, look, watching it was, um, I'm, I'm fine with all that stuff. That's why I joined the job. I know it's, you know, I know it happens, but it wasn't good watching it. Um, yeah, so that, that was probably the worst day that could have got worse because his mates were there. Um, but I'm talking, when I say a soldier, they were like stomping on their heads. They, they don't just like throw punches. They were doing everything they could do. Cause some damage. You said then that you had uh, handcuffs, baton, spray. Is that is that um, all the equipment that you have? Uh, and you've got a, a vest on, have you? A, um, a well, not, not a safety vest, but the vest we yeah, the vest the police would use. Basically identical, same dark blue. We wear different color, you know, different color uniforms. So we. We just respond to um, incidents. That's our main main um, job, and amongst other things as well. But yeah, that's our main thing. And we, so we've got the tools to we can pull out gas and stop stuff. 
Um, and it usually stops pretty quickly as soon as you pull the gas out. They don't usually like it, yeah. but um, yeah, that's I'm our just thinking of a, I'm just thinking of myself being in that situation. I'd be petrified that those prisoners banging on the glass, they break the glass and then just all hell would break loose as if it hadn't already, but yeah. oh, God, or, it'd be, yeah. Or they yeah. could have just ran in the front doors. Like we have staff manning the doors. This was a job for everyone. There's a job for everyone when there's an incident. Um, yeah. But they could have just all barged through the front doors and it could have just been all on and we would have been outnumbered. Um, that's, that's the scary thing too, but... Look, that doesn't happen a lot. Like, I wouldn't say it happens you know, probably once a week. There'll be a staff assault at Barwon. Something once like that might be. Oh, yeah, mainly, probably, yeah. Look, I haven't been there for a few months now, so it could, could, could be better. But it was always you know, once a week, maybe once a fortnight. It, it depends. You might get a run of it, and then you may get two or three months without it. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so all them days are the worst days, all of them. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Now, them, them people I was talking about that got bashed, the three officers, the person that did it would have went to court and got a concurrent sentence. And this is why correction staff are so annoyed and they're so negative about the system because there's no consequences. If that bloke goes to court and gets five years for stomping on the heads of officers, there's clearly video footage so the judge can see if he wants to, if he wants to. Um, you know, set an example, load him up, give him five years for doing it and send a message to the other prisoners that, I don't, you know, five years on top of your sentence is a lot, just like the police, paramedics and fire brigade, you assault them, there's a different consequence than if you sold a yeah. correction officer. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, you've worked in a, a lot of um, prisons, but you were telling me about, I can't remember the name of the unit where our most dangerous are held. But oh, it was a protection unit, yeah. Which one? Oh, the protection, yeah, but wasn't there a name like a flower? Yeah, it was just our, it was just Barwon's, it was just Barwon's main protection unit, yeah. 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 Um, can you tell so us what, So in that? there... I didn't work in there as an officer. I was there as a responding staff member. Um, I did work in there for like, quite a few times, actually, um, but not, like, ongoing. Um, but that unit's different, man. That's different. Like, that's got – so at Barwon, you've got management units, you've got Supermax, basically, high security units, and you've got the protection unit. So this particular protection unit probably has Australia's worst prisoners, by far, there's, there's TV shows made about them. So it's very hard to work in there. My heart goes out to the officers that work in there day in, day out. Because these people that work, the prisoners are in there, have raped women and murdered them, raped or killed kids. The most horrific crimes you can think of, and they don't discriminate who the, who the victim is. It can be a baby, it can be a female, it could be, could be anyone. Um, there's people in there that have killed their kids, or their three kids. Like you know, like so. Oh yeah, yeah. It's very hard to work in that unit and try and stay Mr. Bubbly positive, you know, officer. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. I'm here to do your case management. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work with you, and I'm gonna work alongside you, and you know, and um. Oh yeah. Gee. Oh, it's it's hard. It's hard. It's very hard to work in that unit. Very very hard. Um. But the, the people that work in there have got 
they're thick-skinned, and I admire them a lot because I couldn't work in there for a long period of time. And, and it's probably because I lost both my parents in a short period of time whilst I was at Bowen. Um, and, and losing your parents, like, I lost both of them, found out within six months they both had cancer and they died. So when you go and work in a, in a unit and, you, and you're still grieving and hurting your parents and you go there and you work with prisoners that have killed people like your parents or kids, it's very, very hard to do. It's very hard to become, to stay a, a respectful officer. Um, that's why my heart goes out to all the officers that work in that type of unit. So, and, and look, you know what? I look at them and they get out eight hours a day. They're working out in the gym and they have cook-ups with their mates and they sit down watching telly. And these people that you've taken off the streets that have got 40 years for killing a baby, they're not locked up in a 23 hours a day where a lot of the public think. They may have done that at the very start of their sentence for a very short period of time. But these, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I find it very hard for them type of people, especially the pedophiles and that have done what they've done and killed. To me, you know, like, they, they should be locked up, never to be released, and they should be doing it hard. Now, the flip side to that is there's the other type of prisoner who, um, you know, have committed the normal crimes throughout their life and, you know, we can't take away their sort of freedom of eight hours a day and, the chance to study and all that type of stuff and make better people out of themselves. That's great. We need to keep that going. But these type of people in these units that have taken kids' lives and I've got a couple of grandkids and, you know, like I, you go into work and you think, I don't know how you do this. It's very, very hard. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you think about the sentence they got, right? Oh, it's frustrating. You think about the sentence... Yeah, I think about the sentences that the judges give them. I know the judges have got a job to do and, you know, I know the sentencing requirements that they've got to um, abide by and that, but, man, if you take a kid's life, if you kill a baby for nothing, for no good reason than to break into a house and rob them, but the baby's there so you kill them, if you were to do that and you give this guy 35 or 40 years prison, these guys are doing it at 20 years old, Right? You're still giving them a chance to get out one day. Do we want that? I don't know. I don't know whether we want that. You know? I mean, you in America, yeah, you do something like that, you're, you're getting 60 years prison or life and never to be released. And, life yeah, means know. life. It, it, do, it life doesn't mean uh, over here, does it? For some reason, no. like, well, then there's the argument that you've got to, not got to, but you want to try and give somebody a, um, a, a bit of hope rather than yeah. lock them up for life. But then, you know, in one sense I feel, well, why should we when they've taken that life themselves? Yeah. You know, they've – yeah, it's yeah. – oh, boy, that's that's a whole new podcast. Um, you've, got <laughs> some con- you, you've got some concerns about some aspects of the course that a trainee prison officer receives and yeah. – and, I'm actually blown away. I'm really surprised to learn when we had a bit of a chat prior to today that conflict resolution is a PowerPoint lesson. Have, have I got that right? So next week, 
we hear some concerns that Pete has about the lack of training prison officers receive and how important it is for them to learn de-escalating techniques, how to, you know, maybe show some empathy for their situation, to listen to them, give them some time to tell them uh, or to tell Pete or whoever's there uh, what's bothering them. These are the type of skills that Pete believes should be taught for a week, not an hour on a PowerPoint. Yep. Uh, He's of the belief that you do role play after role play after role play until the assessors believe that you're ready to actually practice those skills in the real world of angry, disillusioned offenders or prisoners (laughs) uh, who just hate the world and hate the person in that prison officer uniform. Pete also tells us a really lovely story about taking time with a prisoner who'd just gone on a rampage, wrecked his cell, uh, and nobody could calm him down. But Pete could. But it was because Pete didn't yell. He was good at those communication techniques. He'd learned them. So he listened and he responded calmly and he didn't yell back. And I think an important thing was that he was honest with him. Uh, Pete would love to see more programs for prisoners, programs uh, that teach them some skills to give them on their release from prison. He also told me about a new drug that's uh, finding its way into prisons, which could or would be almost impossible to detect, I'm thinking. I've learned so much from Pete and I hope and think you might too. All right, have a great week. Talk next week. As you've probably noticed, we've moved to a new platform called ACAST. I think that's the right expression, I've got no idea. And my previous reviews haven't transferred over. I need reviews. (laughs) Could you do me a favour and put up a review? And thank you so much for your support and patronage. With your help, I can give you that little bit extra. Thanks. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.